Hello, everybody. This is Keith Music Man Hanelik with the Final I Vinyl Podcast. And today we have Ryan Judd, a, a new age instrumental acoustic artist that I've had the pleasure of covering uh, in the past and just covered his new album, Soaring Together. And we were going to talk about that today. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Keith. How you doing? Great. How are you doing? Good. So this new album that's coming out, um, just wondered, there, were, there are some things about it um, that I was interested in knowing more about. I'm sure there's people out there that would want to as well. Um, what was the motivating factor here of recording this album and coming up with the title and things of that nature? Yeah, it was interesting. I, I, I want to kind of take one step back to the previous album because that's kind of part of the story. So the previous album, An Open Sky, you know, that was really inspired by this, this beautiful little girl I had the honor and privilege to work with as a music therapist. I'm a board-certified music therapist, and I specialize in helping individuals with special needs. And this little girl got diagnosed with brain cancer around the age of three I started yeah. working with her, and we became super tight, super close. Like, I was kind of like part of the family. I was seeing her twice a week, hour-long sessions. You know, I'd walk in the door, and she'd say, Mr. Judd, you're home. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was really special and beautiful. And then when she passed, I just had so many intense emotions that I needed to do something with. And they just poured out into the compositions that went into making an open sky. And so, you know, after that album had settled a little bit and I was ready to dive into the creative process again, I was just thinking like, wow, how how am I going to top that in terms of emotional content? You know, like how am I going to find the emotion to pour into music that will compare with that? And I think that would really be a soulful experience. And I just thought, oh, man, no, no problem, easy. I'm just going to compose a song for each one of my loved ones, you know? And I'd be, like, looking at the picture of my one of my beautiful sons as I was working on that piece, and, you know, I'd be thinking about this special childhood friend as I'm writing another one, and I'd be thinking about my mama as I'm writing her song, and my dad and my wife and the, my wife's parents, who are such a wonderful part of our lives. So every song was, was dedicated to a loved one, either past or present. Wow. So that's how you get the title, Soaring Together, right? Yeah, and it's funny, um, Soaring Together. So that was one of the songs. Actually, that was the song after that little girl that I worked with, Zoe. Um, after Zoe passed, that was the song I wrote kind of as a gift to her parents, just to say, here you go. I, you know, This was my process of expression and I hope that, you know, you can use this music in some way that will benefit you. And um, it was really a, 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 such a beautiful gift that they received so well, and they, and they have used it on many, many deep levels that I'm not going to get into. But, uh, um, but yeah, it was, uh, so that was the song I wrote for her, and it just felt like, you know, not only did I want to honor Zoe through this album as well, but it also just played to the, 
the beauty of the cello and the nylon string guitar and the beauty of Kristen Miller's playing. She knows Zoe's story so intimately and so well. And she poured her heart into the first album. She poured her heart into this album. And I really feel like the combination of our two instruments and souls really made these compositions soar. Interesting. So rather than coming at it, you know, with the feelings of sorrow, depression, anger, coming at it in in a healing way with the music. Yeah, I felt like, well, the whole soaring thing is, you know, when Zoe passed, I just felt like, of course, there was deep sorrow and loss. And there was a sense of like, oh, my God, she's finally free. Like, Mm. finally, after all that trauma and pain and suffering and confusion that this poor little child went through, she's free of that body that was just riddled with complications and issues and it was just this beautiful image of her just soaring through the air just like being free of her earthly body and it just you know always stuck with me and i still feel it today when i think about it i can imagine the poor baby didn't even get a chance to live you know uh people like you are very special and i think you're put here for a reason and you find it thank god I mean, I, I could never do that. I, I could never, like, work at an animal shelter. I'd have, I'd have 25 dogs. And, <laughs> uh, I'd be bringing them all home. What, you so you'd be an emotional is, wreck. <laughs> I would, basically, yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. as far as your beginnings um, being a musician, when did it all start for you, and why did you choose the acoustic guitar, not electric? Yeah, I was I was a late bloomer, Keith. Man, I, I got such a late start. You know, it's funny. My childhood was not very musical. Um, my parents rarely listened to music. There was no one in the family that actively played music. Um, so I really got this late start, and I noodled around with a guitar in high school and college, you know, just kind of hacking away here and there. But then I was at a friend's house, and, I, you know, it's one of those moments where you can just picture everything so vividly and I'm sitting on the couch and we're hanging out and he puts on this video of Michael Hedges performing at Red Rocks and it was just blew me away man I never seen anything like that my soul was dressed touched on such a deep level like in that moment I was I got so emotional and I just felt like wow my life just took a turning point you know this is this is a crossroads right here and i'm I'm choosing to follow this <laughs> and so i immediately started you know searching out awesome teachers and really picked up guitar seriously for the first time ever and i was just so inspired by the genre of contemporary finger style i just dove deep into all the guitars that i could find in that genre and started learning their repertoire and learning about composing and learning about theory and all that good stuff so um and that's when I got into my music therapy program, too. It was a master's degree in music therapy at a very, very amazing school that had a lot of Eastern philosophy throughout the mm-hmm. curriculum. So it was this really cool experience of exploring music, but on a m- little bit of a deeper level. Yeah, we were taking ear training and theory, but we were also talking about using mu- music to help people on so many different levels, um, help them heal and help them learn to talk again and walk again and help little kids with autism learn to communicate and help people learn to die peacefully and help with people deal with intense emotions. It was really a profound experience. Wow. 
Well, what a great opportunity. And I'm glad, glad that you decided to go in that direction because you're helping a lot of people you'll never even know or meet. But knowing <laughs> that, you, first of all, you helped yourself, right, through the release of the, those yeah. emotions and putting it into your music, you know. And you yeah. mentioned Michael Hedges. He was one of the first uh, Wyndham Hill artists, I remember that name. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, well, Will, I mean, I'm in that same video, there was one of Will Ackerman playing this really soulful piece. And, you know, he's got his eyes closed the whole time, and he's just he's sinking deep into it. And I thought that was really beautiful, too. So that inspired me, too. And the cool thing is this was so crazy. Um, you know, I'm deciding who to record this album with, the, the latest one, Soaring Together. And, you know, I'd worked with a couple people in the past, but I wanted to kind of step it up this time. And um, I'd always heard about this dude, Tom Eaton. And I even met him at the, at the last, the 2018, I think, the ZMR Award Ceremony in New Orleans. Um, and Kristen Miller, the cellist, is really good friends with him. And Tom Eaton is Will Ackerman's sound engineering, does all the mixing and mastering for Imaginary Road Studio, right? Um, and, I, and he lives 30 minutes from me, man. It was crazy. And so, like, and just the connection with Kristen, it was, you know, it was one of those things. It was just like, ah. Oh. I was meant to be. <laughs> and so I got to record with Tom Eaton, and he mixed and mastered it. And, oh, my God, was that such a amazing, wonderful, easy experience. You know, I've, I've always struggled in the studio, either, like, my fault or the sound engineer's fault or, like, you know, weird issues with Sonics or whatever. But this was just like, Puh, I didn't have to worry about a thing, man. That's great. Makes yeah, it for a cool. nice flow for you, you know. And to me... The creation of music is like magic. I, I can't fathom how that's done. I just don't get it. And especially people that don't even read music and just can pick up a guitar and play a song they just heard. How does that happen? Um, <laughs> you know? Doesn't happen for me. <laughs> I don't have that kind of ear, that's for sure. <laughs> so what was your process? How long did it take you? And, you know, did you bounce things off of Tom or other people? And do you have your own home studio? Yeah, I don't have anything um, anything special set up at home. You know, at the time I've got a, I've got some better equipment now, but at the time I just you know had a USB mic and GarageBand, and uh, we'd just kind of record ideas, and I'd you know have my pencil and paper out, and I'd be tabbing stuff out as I kind of wrote, and um, it was the compositions came together pretty quickly, you know. Um, again, there was a lot of emotion there, and I was just very disciplined and dedicated to playing almost every night you know after i put the kids down to bed it was <laughs> i go to my studio i grab the guitar and i you know set everything up and i start composing and tweaking stuff and listening back and um so that came together pretty quickly and then it was time to like send the tracks to Kristen and have her start doing some part writing and then we got together to rehearse which was crazy because this is like covid right so we're like it's, it, was, it was awesome over the summer and the fall. We'd be outside. You know, I kind of live out in the woods, so we'd be outside surrounded all this, by this beautiful nature, and we'd be working out these pieces, and it was just this lovely process. And then when things got cold, we were, like, masking it up, having these crazy, like, basement rehearsals where she'd come in through the bulkhead with her freaking cello, and I'd have the HEPA filter blasting, and I'd have the windows open, and we were, like, dressed up in our jackets and hats. It was ridiculous, man. <laughs> so where are you in California? Oh, I'm actually in New Hampshire. 
Oh, New Hampshire. Yeah. Why would I be from California? Oh, okay. New Hampshire. Yeah, it gets chilly. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Massachusetts. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, but we, we, we made it happen, man. Kristen was such a trooper. She was so awesome throughout the whole process. And we did those, you know, socially distant, safe-as-can-be rehearsals and then rec- recording, too. You know, I, just, I was having to wear these masks while I was recording and bust out the HEPA filter in between takes. And, like, you know, we were doing it as careful as we could be, and we were very safe about it. But it was definitely just another thing to think about and another thing to kind of add to the mix of trying to do our best to stay healthy and create beautiful mm-hmm. music. Well, the blessing there is the fact that you don't have vocals, right? <laughs> Total. I know, totally, totally. That would have had to have been like a tr- super tripped out ISO booth with, with no admittance except for the vocalist. I'm so glad we had to deal with that. <laughs> so what's in the cards for you going forward after this album is released to the general public? Uh, you know, what's your process? I mean, I hadn't covered you for a couple of years. Um, do you, yeah. is that usually your, your timetable is a couple of years between albums or, you know, it's all, it's all changing, man. <laughs> I'm actually, um, uh, you know, I, I've been fortunate that, enough to have a lot of success with the music and, um, getting lots of plays on streaming services and selling lots of CD, physical CDs, even as crazy as that may sound on Amazon and, um, so I've been able to actually pull back a little bit from the music therapy work I do. I still have, you know, some clients that I just love and um we'll see as long as I can. But um but it's been I've freed up some time in my schedule to dedicate more towards making music. And so I've already started exploring actually a totally new genre for me, which is, is really cool. It's it's kind of fun. I've always been inspired by a lot of electronica music. Um, uh, ironically, you know, here's this like instrumental new agey, you know, relaxation, nylon string finger style dude who like listens to the electronica music all day while I'm working and grooving. And, you know, um, I don't know, you know, people like Tycho and Ryan Farish and a lot of, a lot of people don't really know the names and, and the genres are kind of all over the place. Everything from chill hop to lo-fi to down tempo. And so, um, it's cool because one of my friends is this amazing drummer and knows these genres so well. I can play like in multiple styles. And so I just sent him a cool track that I did and he laid down some drums on it and I'm sending it to a vocalist friend of mine who's going to lay down some cool like vocalizations and then sending it to this guy, I'm John Gregorius, who's going to trip it out with some cool instrumentation. And, you know, it's, it'll be fun to like explore a new genre. So that's what I'm fired up about right now. So electronica slash ambient type of release? Yeah, but it's it's funny. It's not ambient in the way... Like, I wouldn't call it necessarily ambient because when I think of ambient, I think of, you know, really long, droney synth stuff, not too strong of a drum track, and this definitely has a strong drum track and um, a really cool groove. Now it's slow, man. It's like 60 beats per minute you know, um, kind of has a halftime feel, but, uh, but it definitely doesn't have that like spacious, airy vibe that a lot of ambient music has. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing that. 
Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's so funny because I, I, I don't know what to call it, man. And I was having this discussion with a drummer, my drummer friend, Jonathan, and he's like, dude, that's great that you can't find a genre to put this in, man. This is, this is really, like, unique. It's, you rarely hear nylon string fingerstyle guitar meshed with, you know, this type of dr- beat-driven music. And I think it could be really cool to kind of explore. I don't know how marketable it is going to be, but, you know, right now I don't really care about that, man. I just want to make the music that's firing me up and that I want to listen to and that my heart's telling me to go with. So that's, that's, that's my game plan, Keith. Sounds great to me. I mean, I appreciate music more if I can't put it in a box of some sort or, you know, put a, a genre label on it. It's like it'll be instrumental, period. Now you figure there out... You where you want to put it, but just listen and enjoy, right? Totally, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds cool. I look yeah. forward to that. Yeah, cool. So I find it interesting that you, you didn't grow up around music. Uh, most musicians do, you know, and what was your first inspiration? Was it that Michael Hedges thing you, you saw, or was there something that planted the seed earlier in life that got you to that point? Yeah, man, I mean... You know what I think it was? I think a big part of it was, in high school, the only way that I could open up my heart and release any kind of emotions, especially sorrow or sadness, would be by listening to somber instrumental music. You know, it was the only way I could cry, was if I had that music playing. And that was a deep experience. And I feel like that not only led me into music therapy, but it also mm-hmm. led me into creating this type of music that people can find a release in or find peace or find relaxation or reduce their stress or anxiety. So it's, think, I think a lot of it stems back to that kind of experience. So you, right away you knew the light bulb came on. This is a tool. This is what yeah, I use. Yep, exactly. And you went down the other path with the therapeutics now when you meet with your patients do you do a zoom thing now or do you meet them face to face yep it's all using kind of a telehealth model um with zoom and other types of platforms like that and and when it first happened i was like oh man this isn't gonna work well you know but i was just like i'm gonna just give it a shot you know i got i got nothing to lose might as well try it and all but one of my clients responded really well. Like, it was crazy. Like, just as good, if not maybe even a little better in some circumstances, than face-to-face. It just blew me away. And I just feel like the power of music, man. You know? Mm-hmm. Going through those speakers and going through those headphones, and it just was so captivating for them, even via a screen, that... It's been really successful. And then I did have one client who just eh, just wasn't on a sensory level. He just could not handle it, just did not respond well to it. So that was a bummer. Um, but hopefully I'll be, you know, doing some face-to-face stuff um, with him or having one of the music therapists on my team do face-to-face stuff with him sometime in the near future. Fingers crossed. Well, that's good. And it's different for everybody, I suppose, you know. But- yeah. The high touch thing with you would be face to face. I could see, understand that, and how people need that. You know, I could understand that totally. Um, when you were on your way to getting your degree, did you study like how music affects the brain, things like that? 
Yeah, that was such a cool piece of it. And I feel like that's been such a evolving aspect of the profession now is neurological music therapy or NMT. Um, there's even, you know, s- certain separate credentials you can get as a neurological music therapist. A lot of those people are working with people who are recovering from stroke or dealing with Parkinson's, um, are relearning to walk, relearning to talk. It's really a beautiful part of the field. And certainly when I was at school, there wasn't as much research back then, but there was enough research to know about some of the hormones that are released in the brain when people are actively making music and like oxytocin and these like bonding feel-good hormones that are released. So that helps me because the foundation of all my music therapy work is the therapeutic relationship. It's the trust and the deep bond that I have with my clients. And music is just such an amazing tool for creating that bond because on a neurological level, that's exactly what it's doing. It's just releasing all those uh, hormones that are saying, man, this feels good and I like being with you. (laughs) (laughs) So have you delved into the areas of uh, spirituality through Buddhism or anything like that, practices? Yourself? Ah, yeah, I was. I mean, the school that I went to, Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, was actually founded by a Buddhist monk. And oh. although there weren't too many Buddhists who actually went to the school, almost everyone at the school, well, pretty much everyone, I don't know anyone who wasn't, was into mindfulness practices and were inspired by the Eastern arts. So in my graduate program and my master's in music therapy program, man, I was required to have a meditation practice. I was required to take meditation class for three years. I was required to go on a silent retreat. You know, it was amazing. Like, I would have loved to do that anyways, but I just thought it was so freaking cool that that was a requirement. (laughs) (laughs) I've really been doing a lot of reading about Buddhism. And, you know, prior to that, I'm thinking, oh, that's a religion. But it's not. It's a practice. Mm. You know? You ever get that magazine, Lion's Roar? Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, I don't get it, but I've seen that for sure. You should. It's great. Yeah, cool. Really is good. So you're a pretty amazing man, Ryan, and I really appreciate your time and all the things you're doing for humanity. You're, you know, you're making a difference and in, in more ways than one, obviously. It seems like you've just taken everything that you learned and focused it in on two very important things, and sometimes people just can't sort that out. You did it early enough in life where you're going to be around for a while and be able to help so many people. So I, for one, appreciate it, especially the music, because it heals me. Mm. And uh, when I sit down and I listen and I write, I get into an entirely different space, you know? So that's why I can understand musicians, where they're coming from. Yeah. There's some parallels there, you know? So I'm glad you liked the review, and I'm going to look forward to publishing it soon. And we'll put the... uh, info out today in regards to this interview and uh, hopefully sometime we'll talk again when you put the new album out that sounds great Keith thank you so much for the opportunity thank you for your time I appreciate it alright bye bye